Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me and please be prepared for spoilers. I am joined today by a friend who is going to talk to me about this book that she recommended. Hi, I'm Ariel and uh, yeah, it's a it's a real interesting book. <laughs> Yes, it sure is. Thank you for <laughs> taking me on this ride, I guess. Oh, and don't worry, there's several more in the series. I know. <laughs> I I know. You're, you're conflicted. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. I, I feel like they would be interesting, but I'm not sure if I can do it. I get that. So this time we are talking about On a Pale Horse by Piers Anthony. Here is the summary. Shooting death was a mistake, as Zane soon discovered. For the man who killed the incarnation of death was immediately forced to assume the vacant position. Thereafter, he must speed over the world riding his pale horse and ending the lives of others. Zane was forced to accept his unwelcome task despite the rules that seemed woefully unfair. But then he found himself being drawn into an evil plot of Satan. Already, the Prince of Evil was forging a trap in which Zane must act to destroy Luna, the woman he loved. He could see only one possible way to defeat the Father of Lies. It was unthinkable, but he had no other solution. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so this book was published in 1983. Uh, it is, as Ariel pointed out, the first book in a series called The Incarnations of Immortality. Um, I read it in December of 2021. Our author, Piers Anthony Jacob, was born in 1934. He has published a lot, like over 160 works over his career. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, what's the word? One of the things he has done, that was terrible. That was not the <laughs> word I really wanted. Um, he's published a book. Um, that begins with every letter of the alphabet, mm. um, which apparently no one else has done because Sue Grafton was doing like her ABC murders thing, um, but she only got to Y and mm -hmm. then she died. So it's still only Piers Anthony. <laughs> <sighs> so he's best known not for this series, but for the Xanth series, which I have never read and probably don't plan to. And he lives on a tree farm in Florida with his wife, Mary Lee. I'm going to do some brief content warnings about this book. As you might expect, in a book about death, they talk about death a lot and the various ways people die. Um, there are a couple of suicides. There is also discussion of rape and also child abuse. So just keep that in mind. And I want to know what your experience was rereading it, Ariel, whether it held up to your memory of it. Like, when was the first time you read it? I remember. Um, I was probably early teens that okay. I read it. And yeah, rereading it for this, um, I was a little bit sorry I recommended it. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, I really like the um, the philosophical parts of yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like it definitely came off much more kind of neckbeardy this time yeah. reading it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which I have noticed is something that I come across when I reread books that I loved when I was younger. Sometimes you reread it and you're like, oh, actually, this is mm, has some problems in it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. yeah, especially books written around this time by men very much. It's like, oh, boy. Yeah. I 80s fantasy and sci-fi is pretty much the worst. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's, it's like it has so many interesting ideas mm -hmm. and this is like the first note I have in here is like I had a hard time with it because of like the male gaze aspect of it yeah. where like every single female character is described by how sexually attractive the main character finds her <laughs> yes and it's like every single female character mm -hmm. which makes it a little tiring to read mm -hmm. but I, I did about expect that because it was a book written in the 80s. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yes. So our story begins with Zane, who is our everyman out trying to make his way in the world. And I do like the world that he made. 
um, because the world in this book is not quite like ours. Magic exists alongside technology, which I really liked. He has the bit about the like ad campaign of the magic carpets versus cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Like it's, you know, he's really does build an interesting world. Mm. <laughs> You're just like, it wasn't for just how he talks about women constantly in this novel. It yeah. It would be so good. I'm like, almost wish there weren't any women in this book. Yeah. I will say in some of the other, like in the series, because they are all from the perspective of an incarnation of immortality. Okay. Some of them are women yeah so i remember in like vaguely that those books do seem better okay <laughs> from be. that perspective because <laughs> uh, it's harder to objectify yourself yeah <laughs> but, <I guess. laughs> uh, but yeah so i'm probably going to go through yeah the rest of the series or at least try to and see how because because yeah this book was definitely extra male gazy mm -hmm. um yeah. But I remember liking the series enough that I did read through all of them. Yeah. But, um, well, again. and you had a good enough memory of it that you were like, well, that would be an interesting book to recommend to people. And it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, he had a lot of interesting stuff to say. And I read in the author notes at the back of the book that he, like, he wanted to write, like, a philosophical treatise about, like, this is what he believes and this is why he believes it. And mm. he was like, well, I'm a fantasy author. Nobody's going to pick up my philosophical treatise, but I could write a fantasy book where I talk about the things that I believe and like what I want to say. And that's why he wrote On a Pale Horse was like him. He really wanted to like say all this stuff about philosophy, I guess, and like and the afterlife. Also in this world, heaven and hell exist and hell keeps taking out like advertisements about how cool and sexy it would be to go to hell <laughs> so that feels accurate to like a world where hell exists mm -hmm. yeah like the little cher kind of cher um, cherubic is it cherubic cherubic uh the i guess little... cherubic but i think they're like succubi specifically yeah, that exactly but they're like the chibi versions yeah. there we go chibi <laughs> they're the chibi uh, yeah. little devils that are yeah. like um they would be funko pops in right exactly Satan, listen if this book was written now satan would be selling funko pops well, of himself and his little say, succubi satan is selling funko pops right now oh that's where they're from that's honestly i kind of agree <laughs> no offense but i don't like funko pops i think they're weird <laughs> <sighs> So we begin the book, we're in this weird magic and technology world, and Zane feels cheated out of everything he believes he deserves, which is wealth, a beautiful woman to love him, and a comfortable life. And like, he's he's a little, he gets better over time. At the beginning, he's very, I hate to say the word neckbeard again, <laughs> but I feel like that's like the word we're going to say for this uh, book. Mm -hmm. Um but he's like, he feels very um, entitled to everything that he wants. Um, and then he doesn't get it and he feels depressed and decides that life isn't worth living. And so he technically successfully commits suicide. Kind of, because I think he, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. So he pulls, so he pulls the trigger, but as he's like about to, the door opens and death walks in and he's like obviously death he's got like the skull mask like the stereotypical what you would expect uh death to look like and zane has just enough time to think oh no maybe i don't actually <laughs> want to die and i can like turn my life around and so he turns the gun and shoots death instead of himself and surprisingly death dies and he's just some dude. Um, and as Zane is like, oh, no, I killed somebody. Oh, but I killed death, so it's fine. Fate walks in the door. And we're told she's not very attractive. But don't worry. She has other forms where she is more attractive. Yeah. And she tells Zane that he's got a new job. Because he killed death, it's now his responsibility to be death. 
and she gives him like a very brief rundown on like what his um, responsibilities are and what she is and what he is now. And death and fate are incarnations with a capital I. Um, and there are five total death, fate, war, nature, and time. Um, and each of them was once human. And now they control like these different aspects of life. And it's like, I guess they've been humans forever. It's like passed down from person to person. You like train up your assistant to take over. But if you're death, you wait until someone kills you. And then they take over. Mm. Yeah. Talk about on the job training. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God, that was terrible. He's got it, you know. He's mm-hmm. proven he can do it. Um, which is an interesting, once again, an interesting thing to think about. Like, a human is in charge of nature or is in charge of war. Suddenly has all this power but started off as a human. I do want to say, if I am rem- remembering it correctly, um, as the series progresses, they go more and more into, like, they flesh out the aspects of this and, like, how each um, incarnation gets their job specifically and how it kind of weaves into the tapestry of it. So, yeah, it is a really interesting universe that he ends up, like, fully fleshing yeah. out in the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a cool idea, for mm-hmm. sure. So fate has given Zane a brief rundown on his new responsibilities and then she leaves and he has to start collecting souls like straight off the bat. Um, And death doesn't come for everyone, only those whose lives are in perfect balance. So they could go either to heaven or to hell. Um, But everyone else is automatically sent to their destined afterlife because they have like this whole bureaucracy system where it's like you're filed away which makes sense i thought it was kind of weird that he was like still bound to the linear nature of time but i guess he's still human instead of being able to be in like a bunch of different places at once as death he's just like still a dude who rides a horse and like goes physically from place to place to collect souls yeah like that Definitely does raise some logistics questions um, and like what's the world population and uh, they address a lot of it in in the book about like how, yeah, they can sort of um, Mm -hmm. stack it up so that he can just kind of manipulate time a little bit. Yeah. Um, But uh, but yeah, it is it is an interesting way that they lay it out with it being linear, as you say. Yeah some more logistical problems to solve um and he does spend a lot of time collecting the dead which i did like because sometimes you'll read a book that's like about an assassin and it's like a build as this oh this person's like the best assassin ever and then they never kill anyone and you're like why was that an important part of their story their character their story if they're not gonna do that thing or like that's not really going to have any effect but this book uh about death is a lot about death so that's good and zane does eventually adapt to being death and i liked this part because he does start kind of questionable um but he decides to actually take his second chance in life seriously and he's going to be a quote-unquote good death um but he he decides what that means, and he decides that he he's not impartial. He's not going to just collect souls. Like if he finds someone drowning out in the ocean, he's going to save them rather than just letting them drown and taking their soul, um, which he does, which is an interesting way for death to be. I think he's very close to being human still. Which, I, I mean, makes sense. It's not like you stop being human just because you put on, like, the death cloak or whatever. Yeah. The interesting part that I always thought about, and I think he, again, touches on it a little bit in the book, but he talks, like, it does become sort of an arbitrary thing yeah. about who he's able to save versus who, like, he doesn't mm-hmm. save. And 
Um, yeah, that, that part of it was interesting to me, but I think it spoke to more of his, yeah, his humanity and his, like, he's not going to make perfect decisions or necessarily completely rational ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, and the ones that he could be called for were just the perfect balance people. Right. It's like, it's interesting because then there's like the vast majority just automatically go either way. Yeah. So he doesn't really have a hand in whether he could mm-hmm. try to help save those people. But um, yeah. But yeah, like he definitely makes moral choices about who he saves, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. And he obviously looks at like the situation and learns as much about it as he can when he makes the decision, which which is interesting. It means that sometimes he looks at it and he goes, this person should be saved. And sometimes he goes and like he goes to a hospital where a bunch of people are kept on life support and they're like, we're stuck here on life support and we don't want to be, we're just suffering, like we can't die. And um, he makes the decision to kill all those people basically because they're stuck and they don't want to be alive anymore. So commits medical malpractice. (laughs) And then we get to like the plot part of it which is he encounters a magician. Obviously, there's magic, there's magician, uh, magicians. Um, and the magician has artificially put his sin to good ratio in balance, specifically so he can talk to death. And he did this by using magic to give his daughter half of his sin. Yeah. <laughs> which I just have so many problems with. <laughs> like it's not a sin to give other people your sins so that they have to deal with that that's totally fine okay but his daughter's name is luna and she's the love interest (laughs) yay um also we are told that she is nothing special to look at until she puts on makeup (laughs) then she's incredibly sexy so just keep that in mind Um, But the magician reveals that he conspired with fate so that Zane would be the new death. So fate had a hand in death dying and Zane taking over the position. Um, And Luna is the reason the magician wants to talk to death in the first place, because there is a plot against her and the magician wants death to protect her. And then we get to the really weird part. Where in exchange, the magician says Zane can sleep with Luna and has the chance to win her over if he protects her. And this was so weird. Yeah, no, that the, the whole scene is very weird. Like from her walking in and like. She walks in completely naked. Yes. She's like, what's up, normal. dad? And it's weird because it's like you would think that's like part of the seduction, except for the fact that. They go into so much detail and, and are at pains to be like, no, she's like pretty totally average. Yeah, <laughs> like there's not really anything about her. Yeah, she's just naked. Yeah, <laughs> and- it's it's so it's, it feels like a justification. Like, yes, I introduced this character naked, but she's not attractive, so it's fine that I did that. Yeah, it, it it's it's just weird. It's and I, just weird. Maybe it's an Anthony thing. If we went and looked at some of his other stuff, maybe. it's just like how he how he be. But <laughs> probably. But yeah, but yes, it is interesting that he not only gives his daughter half of his sin, which I'm guessing is sort of like when you're how rich people stay rich. You know, they just keep <laughs> buying stock or whatever, right. so they don't have to pay the penalty. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. And then also prostitutes her. <laughs> and He's like, I really need to protect my daughter, but you can sleep with her. Yeah. It's like, oh boy. And the other part of this is they have like this love stone. It's like a love potion, basically. And the magician's like, you can use this love potion on her so that she'll want to sleep with you. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Uh, luckily, they don't do that. Um <laughs> Specifically because Zane's like, uh, I would like someone to sleep with me because they want to sleep with me, not because of a love potion. Yes. Which I'm like, great, that was the bare minimum of mm. what you had to do here. Thank you very much for at least clearing that bar. I like to imagine Zane wearing a fedora oh, for this no. entire <laughs> encounter. 
It's like part of the death outfit. You know, you have like the skull mask and then the fedora on top. <laughs> Terrible. Um, so Zane says he won't do that. He thinks maybe he would have done that when he was like alive. But now that he's death, he's trying to like be a better person. Um, and then Luna's like, no, we can both take the love potion. Then we'll both want to do it. And he's like, what if we went on a date instead? <laughs> I did actually like a couple things about this, which I feel a little weird about saying. <laughs> but he he asks, Zane asks Luna why she's like so chill about her dad dying and all this going on. And she's like, I'm using magic to suppress my emotions because I don't want you to see my grief because I don't know you. And that's a very personal thing. I'm like, I think I'm going to have to go through with sleeping with you. So I just want to get that over with and like not have any feelings about it while it's happening, which is not necessarily a healthy thing to do. But like, if you don't like, you don't have to share your grief with some random guy who just walks in the door and your dad's like, sleep with him, babe. <laughs> Yikes. So I, I did like that where she was like, I'm choosing. I will deal with this later in my own time and on my own terms. Um, and she's like that later um, when she knows her death is approaching, she picks a time and a place to go die so that she can help somebody else. But like the important thing to her is that she's choosing, it's her choice what she's doing, which I liked. I thought he did that really well. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like he was trying to make it sound like she was being unhealthy about it. Yeah, it it was really hard to read that. Like, just yeah. it was a hard to understand what yeah he was going for in that scene. Yeah, a little bit. I'll interpret it in a nice way, nice ish. Mm -hmm. Just because it makes me feel better. <laughs> so we've met Luna. We know she's important in some way. They're gonna go on a date later, um, and Zane is collecting souls and kind of going on dates with Luna, and he meets the other incarnations. Time, who helps Zane reverse an event long enough to rescue someone from the burning building. War, who's got some thoughts about how people should die with honor, which is very Klingon of him. <laughs> um, and we've already met Fate, and the last one, I guess, is Nature, who invites Zane to visit her. And Nature has some, like, mysterious things to say, where she's like, the incarnations, she tells him the incarnations can, like, affect each other's realms a little bit, but they can't completely gainsay other incarnations. Like, they can work together to do stuff, but they can't. Death can't, like, prevent war from happening or completely stop time or whatever. And then she does this thing where she talks about five kinds of thought processes, which I guess must come up in the other books in the series too. I can't remember if that part does or not. It, it feels weird. It is a weird, it's a weird like digression. And yeah. it was almost like, is this his philosophy that he's shoehorning in about just like logical thinking? Yeah. Because later in like our final battle, Satan mm. is like, oh, who taught you about all these thought processes? <laughs> I, that. I like, was like, was it that important? Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, the five kinds of thinking, according to this book, there's like the thought process where it's in a series. So your thoughts go one after the other. You're like, okay, if A, then B, if B, then C, all the way to a conclusion. There's parallel, which is like, I have all these facts and all these facts lead to this one conclusion. And then there's creative, where you're like, your thoughts are going in all different directions and may lead to different conclusions, I guess. There's schizoid, where your thoughts just go in a circle, so it's not very helpful. You're, yeah, you're thinking you're stuck in a circle. Um, and then there's intuitive, where you're like, I know this, and then I'm going to like jump three points and then also know this based on intuitive thinking, which I don't know. She, we spend like a while on it. Yeah, and there's even the scene beforehand where it's like him getting to the right to her place, and it's like this weird 
like puzzle thing mm-hmm. that happens and it turns out it's all different perspectives of him yeah and that was the only way that he could get in it was set up so that he could only pass through all of these different um parallel experiences yeah yeah which was interesting because i would have thought that'd be more like of a time like puzzle <laughs> yeah it certainly seems like a time puzzle because he experiences technically all the events at the same time or he experiences one event while also experiencing the other two events yeah so yeah a scene is interesting but like it is very like confusing because like it was to illustrate this point about all of these thought processes kind of because she ends up talking about the parallel yeah that she is experiencing parallel time so I didn't really get that scene. It was interesting how she described it. And then, like, he rides the hot water bottle (laughs) (laughs) as a saddle. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I think Piers Anthony has a lot of interesting ideas that he's just like, well, this is a scene now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Which is, I mean, it, it makes for an interesting reading experience where you're like, okay, now I have to think about what on earth this author was trying to say (laughs) which leads to a lot of different interpretations so that's like we just do that little nutshell where he learns about the five kinds of thought processes and then we're back to the main plot so collecting dead people obviously he's falling in love with luna blah blah um but then luna's death approaches unnaturally early because satan shock and horror has cheated and maneuvered events so that Luna will die well before her appointed time. I guess around here is the time where he learns that like she is important in the future to like thwart Satan. When they go to the Carnival of Souls. Yeah. Which wasn't okay I just want to point out he does an interesting thing sometimes where he'll like reveal a certain plot point and where the main character hears it. Yeah. And then they don't re- he doesn't react to it. Uh-huh. So like what happened in this situation I was going to discuss briefly is Yeah, please. Now it's going to have a digression because it's a weird please. like thing about <laughs> Molly. So Oh right, the ghost. <laughs> yeah. So there is like this minor character that's like she's important but like not significant enough to She's like, hot though. She is hot. Yeah, which you you learn about in detail at one point. So she died, and she's a ghost, and she's at the beginning of the book uh, at first. And whenever someone is going to die, mm-hmm. that's the only time they can see that they can interact. Right. So people will go up to her and be like, "Eh, right," just to check. Like, <laughs> yeah. can can I talk to you? Can we talk? No. Okay. Right. Not gonna die soon. Um. And so they. So Zane encounters her before his death, and then later on in the book, he and Luna see her. Um, and Molly sees Luna and him, and right. he's death, so that's that's why you can see her. But then it, that's how I think Zane realizes that right, uh, Luna's about, about to die. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, because um, Luna has like magic things that tell her when death is approaching. Yes. So like she knows, but she's hiding it, and then they meet up with the ghost, and the ghost is like, oh, she's gonna <laughs> die. And yeah. Zane's like, what? And Luna's like. Yeah, I know. I know. And I can't remember why, but they end up going to the Carnival of Souls with her, like just as a fun time. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, it's just like, like a, a date. date. Yeah. It's one of their dates. <laughs> and Molly's like, "I can take you to the uh, ghost ghost town." Yeah, uh, the ghost carnival. Yeah. Which, as an aside, she's a ghost, but she still has a job. Yes. <laughs> she sells fish out of a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Capitalism never dies. Uh, yeah. Oh, and she's getting robbed in the beginning of the oh, book. Oh, yeah. And yeah. someone's going to like steal her ghost wheelbarrow. <laughs> yeah. That's and Zane weird. saves her, and that's like how that mm-hmm. whole thing happens. But anyway, they go to the Carnival of Souls, and there's like a lot of dead people there. Yeah. And they go to see like cave paintings. Yes. Right. And I, I kind of glossed over, I, I can't completely remember what happened there, but they. That was a weird. Um thing because that was kind of like a time travel thing yeah yeah because molly was like we're actually literally physically in this place because we're ghosts um it's not like a recreation and also we're like 
back in time when people were making these, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yes. And they were talking about like the power of cave paintings and yeah. how it can summon stuff. Yeah. Which I think comes up later in the book, but I can't remember how. It does, um, because I reread the stuff about the nature and the five thought processes because mm. I was like, what was going on there? <laughs> um, and nature brings up that like uh, witch doctors were some of the first oh, magic, yeah. quote unquote, magic users before there were really magicians. There were like witch doctors. Mm-hmm. It's like the oldest profession. <laughs> she Nature asks what the oldest profession is and Zane's like, it's a female profession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't even say it. <laughs> Like, uh, all prostitutes are not women, Zane, but okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> but so they go to the Carnival of Souls and, um, crap, what was my point? There was something happening uh, Learning there. about Luna dying or why she's important. Why she- Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, like, as they're going into the Carnival of Souls, um, Molly's like, hey, this guy's with me because he's death and he like did me a favor. And this chick's with me because she's going to save the world from Satan in, in 20, 20 years. years. That's and then, right. Yeah. And then the guy's like, cool, y'all go in. Yeah. And then like, they don't, nothing happens yeah. for like a Nobody's scene. Nobody's like, that was super weird. Why did you say that? Yeah. And I think they do the cave painting <laughs> yeah. thing or something first. And then Zane goes, did, what did you just say about, <laughs> about the... Rewind like one scene and talk about... Her saving the world in 20 years. Yeah. And he's done that. And I can't tell if that's because they're trying to make Zane seem like not very smart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or if it's because he was like, no, this is a really important scene for me to write about first. Yeah. (laughs) Before I get to that. We really got to talk about the cave painting first. Or if it's like a weird attempt at suspense where it's less like. Right. I'm going to bring this up and, ooh, I won't talk about it yet. It'll make the reader wonder. Yeah. And I feel like that happens a couple times in the book. Yeah. Um, I could, yeah. But yeah, which makes me think it might be a characterization of Zane not being as quick on the uptake as you would expect. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know what's important, I guess. (laughs) He's like, all this weird shit's happening. (laughs) Right, exactly. Maybe that was something I was supposed to know already. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, anyway, I got us real, real off. Script, yeah, that's okay. But... At some point, he figures out Luna is very important to the world in like twenty years, um, and then they find out she's going to die like in a month or something. And they're like, "Well, wait, how can she be important to the world in twenty years if she's dead in a month?" Shockingly, Satan has cheated. Um, <laughs> her soul is not in balance because she took on half of her father's sin, but also she has a bunch of sin. Because she made a deal with a demon to get more magical power, which is the weird, the demon mind raped her, but did not physically rape her mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is weird. I mean, at least he doesn't go into any weird detail about it. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a very non-sexual novel mm-hmm. for all of its, like weird leering at women and and characterizations so like they don't ever really have a sex scene in this one or anything like that but they definitely um yeah talk about that and they never really talk about like why what she got protected her dad like i don't she yeah she wanted more magical power Mm -hmm. in order to help her dad do something yeah it was very vague yeah um and she, and for this, she got like a shit ton of sin on her soul, mm-hmm. which Daddy didn't know about because yeah, uh, like yeah, I I wonder like if you told like oh I can't because like my sin to good ratio is off. If I take half your sin, then I'll be doomed to yeah. go to hell. If he would have just found some random person to give his sin to, yeah, like a just what are the rules between like for giving your sin away i don't know i just have a lot of questions about that (laughs) it's very weird to me yeah you'd think there'd be more deals made like that but maybe. i i mean you have to be like a really powerful magical wizard Mm. and magical wizard (laughs) as opposed to a non-magical wizard yeah but like they they make a point of saying you can only become a very very powerful magician if you do black magic and mm. doing black magic is sin. Yeah. So like the only way to be very powerful is to sin, basically. 
for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. So Luna will die well before her appointed time. Her soul is not in balance, so Zane won't be called to collect her. She'll just automatically go to hell. Um, and Luna is like, well, I'm going to die anyway, so I might as well do something useful with my death. And she goes and, like I said earlier, she wants to be the one who decides how she dies. So she... <laughs> just preparing <laughs> I... to explain this ludicrous... I was going to just say she sacrifices herself to save someone else. But there's this whole plot line, which I really think is important for the reader to know about. <laughs> About the endangered dragons. About the endangered species that lives in New Mexico or something. Nevada, I think. Nevada. Okay, yeah. right. Um, and it's dragons. Um, there are just Hot a... smokers or something Hot like that. <laughs> Little smokies. <laughs> um, so there's like a very small number of dragons still alive in the world. Um, but they're dying out because they only eat virgins. <laughs> But they can be virgin animals. They can be virgin animals, but it's obviously like it's better if it's virgin people, right? And so there's someone who is like destined to be fed to a dragon because her family sold her to pay off their debts, which is perfectly legal. Mm -hmm. uh, so she'll be eaten by a dragon. Um, and Luna comes in and she's like, uh, I filed some paperwork with like, this magical bureaucracy um, and it's totally okay. I can take over and be the virgin sacrifice for this dragon. <laughs> uh, and there's like a whole cult that like worships the dragons and is, I guess they're technically like, like an eco group. They're conservationists. They're conservationists. <laughs> <laughs> they just sacrifice people to dragons, which mm -hmm. Gives them a culty vibe. Yeah. Just a little. I really don't understand the whole... Why they just don't go and, like, I guess, cult... Like, um... F what's the word for farming animals? Um, I don't know. Farming animals. And just... Husband? Yeah, husbandry? animal husbandry. But why yeah. don't they just, like, raise a bunch of animals and don't let them fuck and then... <laughs> or have sex. I'll put that in there in case you want to keep that PG. And... Just because they don't really explain why. I, I guess it's just a tradition thing, but it's like, that seems Yeah, okay. Weird. I do remember because it was so weird. Um, one of the things they say is that their theory for why the dragons only eat virgins is that there was a, like, a syphilis pandemic. Yeah. And so all the dragons who ate people with syphilis died. <laughs> Yeah, and so that. only the dragons who only ate virgins survived. Mm -hmm. And so they're the ones who lived on. And yeah. now it's a protection method to protect them from syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see Kara's face as she's explaining this part. It's very weird. It, it is. Um, we could explain the football game between the U's and the uh, oh. other. Yeah, that was actually, I, I feel like you just blocked that out of your memory. Because that was probably the most like male gazy part of the book. <laughs> where like he's going to collect a soul at this at this game where, yeah, the, it's <sighs> sort of like, um, I guess just this football. Yeah, it's kind like of. a... Magic rugby, yeah, rugby type something. thing, and they're just like the players are just all extremely busty, yeah, well endowed women. But like yeah. the way that he refers to them in that scene, it, like I know they're yeah. called farm animals, like their teams are farm animals, but yeah. everything just makes them like <laughs> it's very icky. <laughs> it is, and then there's just and he's like distracted by their bouncing bosoms and doesn't, like, remember to collect the soul that he's supposed to collect for, like, a really long time. And, like, when the soul <laughs> isn't collected, that, that person is just in agony. Yes, while... just stuck yeah. dying, basically. And so it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, I was too busy, like, objectifying you <laughs> to remove... Like, so you had to, to be in horrible pain yeah. because death was looking at your... It was ogling your teammates. Yeah, yeah. And there's, like, the scene where there's, like, a magic spell where that's cast during the play so that someone's clothes look like they got removed oh 
yeah and then yeah. but it's not illegal and it's just like yeah. it's just the most fan servicey i guess yeah uh scene yeah there were a lot of weird instances where he went to collect souls mm-hmm. and it was like this was what we were gonna go with for the scene <laughs> okay let's do it i guess oh yeah like the the 10 year old with yeah. the that was like the burning building one yeah that one was weird especially when he was like explaining why it would be weird if the yeah do we want to go into that one and all um, you don't have to we don't, don't have know. to. That one's like, like that the child weird. abuse one. It is the child abuse one. Um, um, and it's a very 80s like attitude yeah. towards the whole thing. But, but yeah. it's very um, victim blamey. Like this kid obviously wanted this to happen to them. Yeah. I mean, like I will say at least he like say like gets. The yeah. Kid. He, he goes in and he's like, uh, it was bad that you were in this situation and you should stop. Yeah, and gives him a second chance. But yeah. like, yeah, it was very much a like, I mean, he's a boy. If it was a girl, it'd be one thing, but it was right. a boy. So, you know. So it's totally understandable that this would be happening. And yeah, like, I was like, that's no. very weird, Piers Anthony. I don't like that you did that at all. But yeah. I wonder if we like could take this book and just remove like all of the shitty like stuff like that out of it. Or, like, rewrite it, just those parts. Yeah, honestly. And then it'd be, like, a much better book. It would just take some editing. Yeah. 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 And some of it's very, you know, it was the 80s. Like, this was the perspective they had. Um, Yeah. But anyway. uh, Yeah. Um, back to the dragon. The and... dragon. So Luna sacrifices herself to save someone else, but her actions put her sin to goodness ratio in balance because she sacrifices herself to save someone. Mm-hmm. And so death comes to collect Luna's soul and Zane refuses to follow through. Um, he won't collect Luna because he knows she's not supposed to die now and he thinks it's unfair. Oh, and he's been doing like some research in purgatory which is where death lives he's been like trying to figure out what the rules are and like figure out why she's being collected early or she's supposed to die early but he doesn't like get an answer obviously so instead of instead of collecting luna zane calls on time to stop and he goes to confer with his fellow incarnations to talk with them about Hey, what can we do about the fact that this person's not supposed to die right now? And they're all gathered together and the other incarnations are like, surprise, we maneuvered you into this exact situation. This yeah. is exactly what we wanted to happen because Luna is important in 20 years in order to thwart Satan and prevent him from getting like a significant foothold in the world. And like she's going to somehow do that I got the feeling that it was like a political thing, mm-hmm. right? Where Satan would have like a political um, appointee and Luna would defeat that person. Yeah. Yeah. It was like whoever Satan was installing as this political candidate was going to cause um, a bunch of of death, basically, mm-hmm. and, and evil to happen as a result. Um, and that way souls would be going, it would be tipping a, a balance. Yeah. Um, instead of souls going either to heaven or hell, it would almost all be going to hell. Oh, yeah. And that's the other important part of the Carnival of Souls, because they start talking about World War III, because they start oh, going in, yeah. in the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, and it had to do with World War III. So, yeah. yeah. A political appointee wouldn't, I can't go, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the incarnations have to act to stop Satan because God has a strict non-interference policy, which in theory, God and Satan both have a non-interference policy. But of course, Satan's a cheater. (laughs) So there's that whole thing about like, God's just not doing anything to prevent it because if God did something to prevent it, then he would be exactly the same as Satan, which I don't. Yeah. (laughs) There is actually... A book for God and Satan. So I think they... Oh, really? Yeah. So they, I thought it was just the incarnations. No, they do. I mean, it is called Incarnations of Immortality, okay. so you would think they wouldn't include them. But the last two books, I want to say, are, are God and Satan as like the capstone. So 
Interesting. They answer some questions. Some questions about Piers Anthony's world. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, not about... (laughs) Not about actual, fingers crossed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this be. I would really hate to live under this system. Yeah, because <laughs> it's real messed up. It is very messed up. So Zane has filed paperwork in purgatory <laughs> to appeal Luna's case, um, but now they just need to stall until the case can be heard, because bureaucracy takes some time for that to happen. Um, so Zane stops. Being death, I guess. He, like, stops the machinery of death until her case is heard. And like we said earlier, this doesn't mean that nobody dies. Well, it does mean that nobody dies. But it means that people are stuck in that state of dying. So they're like, if you're impaled on something, then you should just die. Um, You won't because death's not collecting right now. So you're just stuck impaled and suffering or drowning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, nonstop. Yeah, it's it's a really horrifying like um, idea of what's happening yeah. when he stops, and they definitely um, go into that and like try to guilt him about it. Yeah, but I mean, it does seem I mean like that's real shitty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like you're balancing that. I need to stop. I need to do this now so that in the future, it won't get worse. Mm-hmm. It's you a know? it's a utilitarian. Um, yeah. argument for sure. And I, I mean, I think it's the right one, but... Yeah. Zane stopped death for now, but Satan's not just going to give up. He contacts Zane and he's like, I think you misunderstand what's going on here. Let me just give you like a little tour and we'll talk about it and it'll be fine. You'll be totally fine with Luna dying. <laughs> just trust me. Um, so Zane goes on the tour of hell because he's like, well, I want to be fair and like hear Satan out. Like, what if he's just misunderstood? And he takes Molly the ghost with him to be his guide. Mm-hmm. And Zane, Satan's tour is like, I'm running a rehab center where people work <laughs> off their sins and then they go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And Zane's like, wow, that is a good idea. You yeah. know, the system does suck. So if there was like a rehab, that's great. And he's like almost convinced. <laughs> and then Molly's like, actually, Satan is running a torture center. Uh, here's the evidence I have for that. You shouldn't believe him. And Zane goes to his computer and he's like, how many souls have been released from hell? Like, have gone through this rehab. Obviously, like, over long history, somebody should have been released. And the computer's like, nope. Every soul that has gone to hell is still in hell. And mm-hmm. Zane's like, Satan lied to me? I will say, Zane seems extremely gullible during this yeah. whole hell tour. Yeah. And they don't really explain that it's because there's, like, some weird Satan gas that, like, makes him stupid. (laughs) He's just, like, stupid during the whole tour. It takes, like, um, Molly physically shoving him into someone else so that Mm -hmm. he can tell that the person that is supposedly has clothes doesn't have clothes in hell. And it's just, like, freezing constantly for for him to, like, clue into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think even that's the other one. He doesn't realize that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, yeah. oh, I felt like Skin. a naked guy, <laughs> even <Weird>. though yeah. <laughs> I guess he, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does take things at face value a mm. lot. He's not a very skeptical person. Yeah. Which like he tr- he tries to be. He's like, well, Satan is the father of lies. And then Satan starts talking and he's like, wow, Satan, you've got some really good points. <laughs> really yeah. appreciate the things you do. Can we talk about the the succubus that he offers up <laughs> at the beginning of this whole thing that he treats like it, she's a heifer at the state fair? Yeah. The weirdest part. Uh, OK, I just have to say the weirdest part for me is when he slaps her butt because like mm-hmm. that's he's showing off the goods. Yeah. He's like this totally naked succubus. And it's like you could have Satan's this like, you know, for the low, low price of letting this woman die, you can have the succubus who will look like whatever you want and do whatever you want. Yeah. Um. Oh, here's a fun thing. Do you remember in Death's House mm-hmm. how he has servants who do a bunch of things for him who like cook for him? Um, and stuff. Another very important ser- servant in Death's household is the concubine. <laughs> yeah. And I like it's not that like, it's not 
Because a concubine is a kind of a very specific right, right. type of sex slave. Um, <laughs> it's not... Well, yeah. like a concubine could also have like a political status. Mm, that's uh, true. There's, there's like a lot of different... But it's like, this is death's sex slave, basically, because you're still human and human men have needs. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of that kind of just usual. But yes, when he slaps, I have to go back. It's just weird. I have to because weird. it is very weird. It He's, is very weird. The, the Satan slaps the suck the succubus on her butt, and it. He's like it. Her. Her oh, butt ripples yeah. all the way down her thigh, all the way yeah. back up and over to the butt yeah. again. And I was like, "What butt does that?" <laughs> like, like that's not necessarily a good. Yeah, like a, <laughs> not a, not what I would call like appealing. Yeah. So it was just there was some interesting. Oh, and then he also offered like the best um, chefs that you could possibly mm. want, uh, you know, all sorts of things he was trying to do to tempt Zane. Yeah. Um, and then Zane was still like, seems like a good guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I won't deny I'm tempted by that rippling buttock. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, so he's close to saying, you know, it's fine. Satan's actually a pretty cool dude. Um, but Molly points out that the spirits are actually just suffering. The computer tells him no one's been escaped from hell. No one's been released from hell. Um, and so Zane remains firm and he won't collect Luna's soul and just hand it over to Satan. And so in the final act, Zane is on the run being chased by demons. We're going to kill him and take Luna. And so Zane this is where Zane uses the like different thought processes in order to defeat the demons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the praying mantis. And the, yeah, the giant praying mantis demon thing. I guess it is a demon too. Yeah. Um, There's the hellhounds and the, the hellhounds, praying, mountains, praying mantis. mantis. Um, There's a bunch of stuff. And then he's like in pure survival, flight or fight. And it's only he slows down and it occurs to him that he's death. And they can't kill him if he doesn't let them. Yeah, which, well, so they do this thing where Satan tries to say that all of death's powers have been taken from him. Right. Because, so that's, I guess, important because, but it's weird because, yeah, he says, well, all your powers have been stripped because you're not doing your job. Mm. And then, like, he, and then Satan tries to kill him various ways. But, like, kind of early on, it's the the thug who tries to kill him so that he can take his office mm-hmm. doesn't hurt. I guess it's because Luna sac- like steps in front of him or whatever yeah. that he doesn't realize that like he doesn't... he's not actually in danger. Yeah. Um. And if she had not done that, maybe the final act wouldn't have lasted as right. long as it did. <laughs> right. But it's like all these really um, elaborate things that happen. Like yeah. there's this whole scene with the praying mantis mm-hmm. where he does like all of this stuff to try to like sneak up on it and he's like it took hours yeah like the slow army crawl towards the praying mantis (laughs) in order to like get on its back and then it's very almost anticlimactic at the end because he's Mm -hmm. just like oh you can't actually hurt me yeah i'm death yeah i feel like there's also something about his soul is in balance and he's in like he's in his um his probationary period as death still. Yeah, he is. So he's he's held perfectly in balance, and the only person who can collect a soul that's perfectly in balance is death. Mm-hmm. So he can't die because he would have to collect his own soul, and that's like a paradox. Yeah. Basically. So thinking about it, just, just briefly, mm-hmm. so he's doing all this so that Luna doesn't die. Correct. And he wants to be with Luna, and then they're in love by the end of it. Right, right, yeah. But he's death, and he's not going to age, and she is. Yeah. So wouldn't he want her to die with, like, her soul in balance? And then she could be his concubine forever, uh, I guess? yeah, his house slave. Yeah. Um, hmm, I don't know. They don't really address any of that. It's they pretty don't. much just like, okay. Oh, and then what's the, what actually happens at the end? Um, he, he like faces down with Satan and he's like, Satan, I'm calling your bluff. You can't kill me. 
Uh, and Satan's like, rah, 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 are you right? And leaves. And then Luna is left alive. And they're like, cool. Now we can like keep dating. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is weird. Like a lot about this book is weird. Um, yeah. But it's it's a happy ending. Oh, and then everyone at the end. Oh, yeah. And then because the, there's a TV that shows uh death what's happening all the oh, time oh yeah like and the purgatory news or whatever yeah and it's always tailored to whatever is going on in mm-hmm. his like type of like what he'd be interested in and at the end they're like he got a great seal of approval from Ooh. his horse <laughs> <laughs> that's right they have like a trial for um for uh the end of his probationary period mm-hmm. and the um the like main character witnesses his horse. Yeah, it is. <laughs> who is a very important character in this book. Um, this horse can turn into a car mm-hmm. and a speedboat and probably a bunch of other stuff. And his name is Mortis. Yeah. yeah. And then Heaven gave him a good approval yeah. rating. Yeah. Got a good approval rating. And Hell wasn't as happy, weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. So that's the end, my final thoughts on it were that I like death as a character in stories. I always have, probably because I read too much Terry Pratchett um, and Sandman. I like that Zane took on the office and decided, like, purposely set out to do a good job. He was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to do it the best I can. Um, like I said earlier, I almost would have preferred if there were no women in this book. And Anthony obviously had a lot he wanted to say about death and the afterlife and specifically about like sin and what counts as sin and like what happens to people according to like Christian beliefs like superimposed over this magical world so I think um that was interesting (laughs) yeah it's a good it, it it holds up because there is that philosophical mm-hmm. like um yeah undercurrent um, yeah. throughout and if yeah if we could just revise this book so that all the parts about women were taken out i think yeah. it would it would hold up a lot better yeah um in in a modern reading but i mean i I didn't like it as much as I liked it when I was mm-hmm. a kid, but almost exclusively because of the the stuff about women. Yeah. Um, so if you can get past that, yeah. Um, if you, which I definitely get if people don't want to, but yeah. if you can get past that, I think it is a good book um, and a good series. Um, yeah. To to look at. Yeah. It definitely. It, it's good, in the way that Zane like. He looks at a situation and he goes, okay, I understand that this is the way it has been done forever, but I think that way is wrong and unfair, and I'm going to change it where I can. And and I think that's a very, like, compelling character to have, mm-hmm. um, and it makes him likable and, like, forgivable <laughs> for a lot of the things he thinks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it, that's But exactly, the disclaimer is... Be aware that women are treated very weirdly um, <laughs> and not in a good way. Um, but, like, if you go in with that foreknowledge and you're, like, prepared for it, it's it's an interesting book to read. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No, I think we, we dissected it pretty well. Got it. Um, but, but, yeah, no. Um, thanks for taking my recommendation. Sorry about the weird <laughs> stuff with the women <laughs> that's okay honestly it's um it's like when i read tarzan i was like okay stealing myself this is gonna have some questionable content uh and it did it sure mm-hmm. did so i think it was interesting and i'm i'm glad i read it um okay well if you want more media like this my suggestion is mort by terry pratchett which is about death taking an apprentice. Yeah, that's a good one, mm-hmm. for sure. And definitely better characterizations of women. Better. <laughs> Still a little weird, because it's like early Terry Pratchett. 
but much better than Piers Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Do you have any you would recommend? Trying to think if there's anything, but uh, yeah, Pratchett definitely. Um, yeah, Pratchett vein. has a whole series on where death is the main character. So. Yeah. Um. Honestly, the rest of the series here is interesting. Um, yeah. Just because you get a more complete look at the universe, I do really like. Um. Just going back to the the world building for mm-hmm. it, I thought it it is an interesting world. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. No. That's we covered it. Cool. Well, thank you for coming and making a podcast with me. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Thank you for the invite. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Join me next time to hear about The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast. You can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. The music is by Joseph McDade, and you can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. And thank you, everyone, for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.